This is Out of Office for May 2014. How Out of Office Workers Can Become Great Managers. Welcome to the Out of Office Podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hi, Chris. How are you? Well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? I'm happy. I'm happy enjoying May and uh, enjoying the Perth Comedy Festival. We've been to a couple of events together. We have. It's been hilarious. There's a few more that, well, there's one more that I'm going to, and I think you're going to a couple more too, aren't you? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to go to a couple in the next couple of weeks, and we'll see how it goes. But I think it's pretty hard to top Sammy J and Randy, who we saw last weekend, and I was very impressed. Yes, I was too. In spite of the bad language, my goodness me. (laughs) (laughs) None of that on this podcast. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about how out-of-office workers can become great managers. Yes, we are, Gihan, and it's it's uh, a topic that you wouldn't normally expect us to be talking about because I think there are a few misconceptions about out-of-office out of workers and uh, their appropriateness for management, uh, but I think of those as myths. I reckon um, that those are outmoded ways of thinking that are a bit of a challenge if you're an out-of-office worker who does aspire to management. So I reckon there are three Uh, common misconceptions about management and out-of-office workers. The first is that uh, it's it's a myth that managers can't manage whilst they're working out of office. Uh, And I think that's wrong because um, in modern organizations, most teams, especially in large organizations, the teams are globally distributed. So managers do have to cope with managing remote team members. So from the point of view of the uh, from the of the point of view of the team members, it doesn't really matter whether their manager is in an office or working from home. From their point of view, their manager is out of office. And secondly, another misconception is that managers aren't already working out of office themselves, when in fact, again, managers themselves might already be working out of office with respect to their own managers because they might not be in the same office. So from their manager's point of view or from senior management's point of view, managers are actually working out of office. And finally, uh, I think the third myth is that out-of-office workers aren't interested in managerial work. And again, I think this assumption is wrong because people think that they've chosen out of the out-of-office work style because they want the kind of work that they can do remotely and in isolation. And this is sometimes the case, but it's certainly not always the case. And also, it might not be the case, uh, it might have started out that way, but... Um, the out-of-office workers' attitudes might have uh, evolved and developed with time to the point where they actually are interested in becoming a manager, and they might even be prepared to uh, come into an office, heaven forbid, uh, part-time if that's a necessary part of being a manager. So what this means then is that if you are an out-of-office worker and you do aspire to being a manager, then you're going to have to work harder than your in-office colleagues to convince the bosses that you're uh, suitable for such a role. Yeah, that's right. And we're going to talk about some of the things that you can do as an out-of-office worker uh, to uh, show show off in a way, to show off that you've got managerial skills and attributes. And we found a poll from the Gallup organization, and it showed a couple of really interesting things. One is that the, the business world is crying out for really good managers and leaders, and most companies actually do a really bad job at choosing and appointing the right sort of managers. So there are there are the spaces available if you want to uh, and if you can show that you're going to be a good manager. And the interesting thing about that article that I read 
with with this Gallup poll results was that the Gallup actually identifies five key traits uh, or skills and talents of really great managers, and uh, they they motivate employees. They have assertiveness to drive outcomes. They create a culture of accountability. They build relationships. And they make decisions based on productivity, not politics. So we're going to look at those five things and specifically how you, as an out-of-office worker, can demonstrate and highlight those traits yourself. And, And that way, you position yourself as a possible candidate for a managerial role in the future. Um, And the way we're going to do this is we'll go through each of those five things and we've got examples of things you could do for each one. And as much as possible, we're going to focus on really out-of-office specific things here, not just talking about how any employee can uh, demonstrate managerial skills, but specifically out-of-office employees. Uh, But that said, many of the things that we say will apply to out-of-office, will apply to in-office workers um, as much as they apply to out-of-office workers. It's just, as you said earlier, Chris, out-of-office workers Workers often have to uh, work harder and show off more um, and magnify and amplify those skills and talents without being a jerk at the same time. Um, but they have to magnify them because they're quite often out of sight, out of mind. Okay, so the first one is that great managers motivate others. So they motivate every single employee to take action and they engage their employees with their, with their mission and vision. Yeah, and uh, one of the ways that you can do this as an out-of-office worker, uh, and in many many of our uh, the traits follow this kind of pattern, Gihan, is that you can either lead by example or lead others. So if I start with the lead by example, then as an out-of-office worker, know the mission, vision, and goals of your organisation or your team or your project, whatever's appropriate, and then just keep checking with yourself that your work, even if you're feeling a bit isolated or disconnected, check that it is aligned with those goals. Now, you're not always going to be quoting this, these mission, visions or goals at every opportunity. Otherwise, people <laughs> think you're a bit of uh, an idiot and they're going to be glad that you're working remotely from them. But there are going to be opportunities where it is appropriate. So if you're, um, say, you're part of a, a planning or review meeting, then you can just check in with those goals to make sure that what you're talking about uh, is aligned with those goals. Or if you're doing a presentation, then you can use those goals as a means of providing context. And finally, you can be appropriately upbeat and motivated and energized yourself, especially if you're communicating remotely, so via email or instant messaging or online meetings, because in those scenarios, it can be easy easy that you're misinterpreted as appearing bored or disinterested or, or disconnected. Uh, so go the extra mile to just uh, add a little bit more um, uh, motivation and energy in your communication. So make a bit of an extra effort there. Oh, sorry, have you stopped speaking, Chris? I was just a bit bored there. <laughs> yeah, amp it up a bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so the, the other thing, as you said, Chris, is that you can, um, you said you can lead by example, but the other thing you can do is lead others. And so there are ways that you can motivate others, uh, even if you're working out of office. So one, uh, which is fairly easy and obvious one, is to actually volunteer for leadership opportunities. So you might be... They might be attending a lot of online meetings or attending a lot of presentations, but why not take the opportunity to chair the meeting or to actually present? So these are these sort of roles actually require you to take more of a big picture view than the typical participant in a meeting does. So you can demonstrate that you do understand the mission and the vision and the goals. Um, you can also offer to mentor people and the, the traditional way of doing mentoring is to mentor the newer or the less experienced team members. So when somebody comes on board, you can take them under your wing and you can do that even remotely. Um, and the other way of doing it is to do what's called reverse mentoring, where you work with senior people. 
Uh, and that is that you've got some skills and knowledge that senior people that would like to get access to. And quite often there's technology or social media or something like that. But as a, an out-of-office worker, you sometimes even have access to skills and expertise with because you're working out of office. So things like a local knowledge or regional knowledge. So, Chris, you're working in Australia. You may know more about the Australian market than some of your colleagues um, in other parts of the world. Um, you may know more about using technology and using collaboration technology. So people who travel uh, rarely for meetings, they may not be as savvy as you uh, on how to connect and how to use Wi-Fi, how to be careful about security and things like that when they're traveling. And you can give them that help. Um, and the other thing is, again, going back to volunteering, uh, volunteering online also means that you can volunteer for things like online forums. So if your team runs a blog or a wiki or an internet forum, then you can volunteer to be the moderator. And that just puts you in a position of slightly higher power, but uh, you're not going to abuse that power, but you can use that power wisely to encourage and motivate other people who are participating in those forums. Very good. So the second trait of great managers that we'll talk about today is that they have the assertiveness to drive outcomes and the ability to overcome adversity and resistance. So if you're an out-of-office worker, then you probably have to work in the face of adversity quite a bit. That's not to say that every single working day is some trial of Odysseus, but rather that working remotely comes with a variety of challenges. So for example, there are the kinds of technical or logistical challenges that you have to deal with, such as collaborating with colleagues who are in different time zones, or you might have a slow internet connection to some remote server, and there are the kinds of glitches that crop up during online meetings. In addition to those challenges, there are the, sorts, the standard project and task challenges that you have to deal with. So if things like uh, delays from suppliers or managing some clients, blowouts in costs or resourcing, uh, these are the sorts of things that an out-of-office worker probably has to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, and some of those things, of course, are common to all workers, but mm. you, you can demonstrate that, uh, again, you're going to take some initiative and be proactive about um, driving those outcomes and making sure they happen. So, again, if we look at those two areas, so I'll, I'll do the lead by example this time, Chris. So I think the biggest thing you can do as uh, any worker, but as, as an out-of-office worker, is when problems arise and you have to go to your manager uh, to talk about a problem, go to them with solutions, not just the problems, because... Uh, they, they may not choose your solution, but at least you've taken the, uh, taken the initiative to find a solution. And that's what, that's what managers and leaders do. And, and if you do solve a problem by yourself, then do share the solution with your manager. So for two reasons. One is they know um, that you're actually a problem solver. And the second thing is that sometimes the solution that you find may be relevant to the rest of the team as well. And sometimes you may actually share it with the team. Uh, and also the other thing as an out-of-office worker to be particularly careful about is be alert to and aware of interpersonal problems. So as an out-of-office worker, you might have fewer of these to deal with yourself because you are working remotely. You don't have to deal with a lot of the office politics. But as a, as a manager, as a future manager, uh, you'll, you'll be expected to deal with those sort of problems in the future. So uh, don't, don't just ignore them because you can. Uh, just, you know, if, if you see personal, interpersonal problems arising, do address them. And it may be just addressing them with the people concerned, uh, or it may be addressing them with the manager. So this is how you, as an out-of-office worker, can actually demonstrate that you are, that you are a problem solver. Yeah. And the other thing that you can do is to lead others. So, for example, um, 
don't sit back and wait for others to take the lead and solve problems that you can assist with. Uh, if you do sit back and wait, then you might be more easily forgiven because as an out-of-office worker, you're just seen as someone who's remote and uh, least able to, to help out. But if you've got managerial aspirations, then being someone, being seen as someone who's remote and helpless is not going to help your chances. You want to be seen as someone who takes initiative and solves problems. So again, don't sit back, uh, don't take a back seat when it comes to solving problems that you can assist with. Also, uh, be proactive and have a, a broader view than just your own uh, small world that you're working within. Try and anticipate any future problems that your team might face uh, and, uh, and bring them on board. See if uh, you can work together to uh, head off these problems before they occur. And if you've got problems uh, of your own on your own plate, then uh, go to your team with potential solutions. So at least think about the problem, suggest some options and take them to your team and see if you can come up with solutions together. Uh, one way that you can do that is perhaps to open a discussion in an online, an, an intranet forum or if you've got a wiki page, start a discussion there and get the team working together to see if they can solve the problem together. Yeah, I think that everything that we're saying here, the, the message that should come through loud and clear is be a problem solver mm. and, uh, and more than just your own little problems. Yeah, and I think, as, as we said, that there's a tendency for out-of-office workers to sort of take a back seat, be seen as remote and distant and uh, not be as engaged as their in-office colleagues. Yeah, and that actually leads on to the third point, Chris, and the third thing that the, the Gallup organization found, the trait of a great manager, was accountability. So they create a culture of clear accountability, not just for themselves, but for the teams and the organization they work in. Yeah, so lead by example again. So start with yourself and set, some, uh, set, stay and achieve some clear deadlines and goals for your own work. And if it looks like you're going to miss a deadline or you're going to go over budget, then be sure that you let people know as soon as possible, any people who are affected by, the, uh, by this miss, uh, that they know as soon as possible. And again, don't just go to them with a problem, come up with some options and suggest alternatives of ways of dealing with the fact that you might be missing a deadline or, or blowing the budget. Yeah, when you come to lead others, I think this one's a little bit tricky because you don't necessarily have the authority to keep people accountable to what they should be doing. So if you see that people are lacking accountability or things are falling through the cracks, you don't necessarily have the authority. So you may have to be a bit diplomatic in the way that you lead others in this. So, for example... If you do take part in a lot of online meetings, as I said earlier, one of the things you can do is offer to chair the meeting. But that's not always appropriate and you won't always get the chance to do that. But you can still keep account people accountable by doing something like volunteering to take the minutes because nobody wants to take the minutes in a meeting. <laughs> but if you choose, if you volunteer for that position, then you do have a little bit of stealth accountability by uh, you writing down the notes uh, from the meeting, you write down the action points, you circulate them after the meeting, and you just ask for everyone to confirm that you've taken the minutes correctly and in that way you are keeping people accountable even though on the surface what you're doing is you're asking people to confirm that you've uh, that you've done your job well so that's an example of that kind of stealth accountability but it does allow you to again like take on a role where you can keep people accountable without stepping on their toes or stepping on your manager's toes um, another example of that is that if you feel some accountability is lacking in, in a team or in a project or in a task, then you, you can't necessarily say, Chris, this is your responsibility because you may not have the authority to do that. But you can ask 
uh, who's responsible for this and uh, can open the question up so that somebody has to take responsibility or somebody has to assign responsibility. And again, you're demonstrating that you're not going to let things fall through the cracks. So you, you, you're showing that you do care about accountability, even if you don't necessarily have the authority yet to actually keep people accountable or ask people to be accountable for it. Um, and the third thing I'd say about accountability is just look out for false assumptions about accountability. So you might say, or you might assume that somebody has uh, is going to get some work to you by a certain time. And when you're working in office and they're sitting next to you or they're sitting down the hall, you can just walk over and talk to them and just check, check in from time to time. But as an out-of-office worker, that doesn't happen so often. The, the random or the serendipitous opportunities don't arise as often. So with virtual teams, you might have a meeting and then people go off and they do their work, and then they then de- deliver based on their assumptions on what they agreed to in the meeting. And just be aware of that, because some of those assumptions may be false. So you might have to push a little bit harder to just be clear about what everyone's agreed to, and that's another way of just making sure that you're accountable and you're creating that culture of accountability. Great. So the fourth trait of great managers that Gallup identified was that they build relationships that create trust, open dialogue, and full transparency. Yeah, okay. And again, relationships is an interesting thing for out-of-office workers. Uh, in fact, I think there's a there's a misconception that out-of-office workers care less about interpersonal relationships than their in-office workers. But actually, the, the fact is, it's the opposite, that because you're working remotely, some of these relationships that you build have to be built on a stronger foundation and yet put more work into them. So if you look about, if you look at leading by example, so this, this is talking about building your own relationships, the first thing you should do is uh, identify people who can be trusted. And and work with those people and work with them in a, in a way that you demonstrate that you do trust them. So if you ask them to deliver by a certain date, that, uh, that you, you rely on that happening and you assume that they will uh, without having to check in on them all the time. And of course, the other side of that is that you have to be somebody yourself who can be trusted. And that comes back to setting clear deadlines, making sure everyone knows about them and then achieving them. And um, if you can't, at least um, let people know in advance so that we can, you can find a way around that. The other really interesting thing for out-of-office workers particularly is to just maintain open channels of communication so that it, and it doesn't only have to be uh, communication that's on task. It's just making sure that you do communicate with your, out of, uh, with your other colleagues, whether they're out of office or in office, and you communicate with them regularly so that you can discuss things openly and encourage them to be open uh, with you. So it may be not making assumptions but asking questions. It may be uh, just talking to people informally. The sort of things that in-office workers get to do to build their relationships, you might have to put a bit more effort into and be more proactive in building your relationships. Um, and that's, that's on an immediate basis, but also the other thing you can do by, uh, to build relationships, by example, is just share your work. So if you learn something that could be useful to the rest of the team, um, document it and share it because other people will then get value from it and they'll see you as a valued team member. Yeah, yep. So the other thing that you can do is lead others. So essentially help other people build relationships between themselves. So corporate anthropologist Michael Henderson suggested that you can imagine yourself as the chief of a tribe and then ask, what would I do if I was at the center of my tribe? 
So, for example, you might know two people in your in your organisation or in uh, your broader team who should know each other but don't. And if that's the case, just introduce them. Also, if you volunteer to chair or lead or facilitate some online meetings, then you can ask people in the meetings to introduce themselves at the beginning if they don't know each other. And you can model this behavior yourself by briefly introducing yourself in the style that you'd like others to use. So, for instance, uh, I will sometimes introduce myself as I'm Chris Pudney. I'm a data visualization specialist. I've worked on developing visualization applications for computational chemists. That sort of thing just gives people a really simple idea of what skills you have and, and encourages them to do likewise. Similarly, when uh, you're asking someone a question in a meeting, if you think that uh, other people don't know their credentials or background, then state them briefly during the question that you ask. So, for example, I could ask Gihan, you've got a lot of experience working with talent markets, so what do you think we should do about uh, engaging with some freelancers? Um, and finally, you could initiate a relationship building program. So if it's appropriate, you could do mentoring or a cross-functional brainstorming team, or you could initiate an online monthly business book club, which I think you've done, Gihan. Yeah, I have. It's actually not online, but it's uh, actually we did that one in person. But you're right, Chris, and those sort of things are really valuable because they're thinking a little bit differently and uh, it changes people's perceptions of you because generally as an out-of-office worker, your team members and your managers and other people who interact with you think of you as just somebody off in the distance. You give them a task to do. Sometime later, the task gets returned, done. And if they do that, they're happy, but they don't see you as necessarily somebody who's equally valuable as a team member and are going to do some of these little out of, little bit out-of-the-box type of things like, hey, let's bring some people together from different teams or let's start up a book club. Yep. Okay, so now we're up to the fifth one. So the fifth one, the, the fifth factor that the Gallup organization identified is an interesting one, is, is productivity. What the Gallup poll found was that great managers make decisions based on productivity, not on politics. And this is probably one that out-of-office workers actually do really well because out-of-office workers tend to be more productive. In fact, the research shows they are generally more productive than their in-office colleagues. So you can kind of tick this box, except except for the fact that generally, as a manager or a leader, you do have to deal with the politics sometimes. So you do have to be aware of things like power plays and turf wars and other things that just get in the way of work getting done or affect the way that work gets done. So if you want to be a, a better manager and you want to be seen as somebody who can be a good manager, then you've probably got to become more politically savvy than you would normally just as an out-of-office worker. So um, I reckon in this case, we turn this rule around and say, make decisions based on productivity, but working with the politics rather than just saying ignoring the politics, because it's easy for us as out-of-office workers to ignore the politics, and that usually works for us. But as a manager or a future manager, you have to be seen to be somebody who can work with the politics as well. Yeah, yep. So for example... Uh, if you need a decision, then find out who the key decision makers and influencers are. And sometimes that's not necessarily the obvious senior management people. Uh, it could be other people within your own team, in fact, or other people you know from across the organisation from other work that you've done. So get to know what their motivations are goal, what, what their motivations and goals happen to be and look for a way of getting a decision that's win-win, so something that meets both their, that satisfies both their motivations and your goals as well. 
You can also look beyond your role at the entire team's goals for any potential roadblocks and obstacles down the track. We sort of mentioned that earlier about looking beyond your own tiny world. And then find out who it is that uh, can help address these problems and cultivate a relationship with them in advance rather than waiting for that road, waiting until you hit that roadblock and then having to call upon them then. And it doesn't have to be uh, done in a kind of sleazy or underhanded way. In fact, uh, the, it's best to be more overt about it. It doesn't need to be covert at all. Just uh, introduce that um, enabler to your manager and explain exactly why it is you're making the introduction so that they can be someone who's of use to your team later down the track. And finally, it's useful to have some informal private communication channels available so that uh, people feel comfortable about speaking off the record. So, for instance, rather than uh, using an IM tool or email where these sorts of things, where the conversation is perhaps stored, you can use a Skype telephone call or something like that so that you can have these off-the-record conversations where you can speak informally and more openly about issues and problems. Yeah, great, great. And then just coming back to my point earlier about the fact that you may need to be more politically savvy than otherwise, uh, just don't don't be as hard-nosed about productivity as you would if you're just thinking about your own role. So sometimes it's okay to take a productivity hit for the sake of building a better relationship or managing some sort of office politics. So, you know, for example, if you're if your team has a team member that they've uh, that's been foisted on them from another department, uh, maybe that team member isn't as productive as the rest of the team because you know they, they don't have the necessary skills and expertise. But it's good to have them on the team because it makes it easier to cooperate with that other department. So rather than resisting them or ignoring them or belittling them, make an effort to actually involve them and be proactive, even if it takes up a little bit more of your time. Uh, do that because you might end up, it might take you a little bit more work to have that person on your team and to work with them. But when you become a manager, that's the sort of thing that you'll be expected to do. And managers and so, so your boss and senior management will look at that as something that, you know, you get a brownie point for doing that because you're showing that you can actually do the sort of things that managers expect you to do. Um, another example is if you if you're in a team meeting and you have a big debate about something and uh, you know it's a it's a logical debate but there, there are pros and cons and at the end of the meeting uh, you've had the chance to have your say but the team's gone in a different direction so even if you think that you were right about it you just accept the decision and get on with the work so you don't grumble whine or or even worse uh, sab- sabotage the decision now that's obvious or should sound obvious for anybody in a team meeting but it's surprising that some team members do go away and they they won't accept the team decision and that's bad as a team member but it's especially bad if you want to be seen as somebody who's going to be a future manager or leader yeah very much so so there you have it Gihan that's uh, five traits that great managers uh, have as identified by Gallup and they also noted that according to their research only about one in ten people have those traits that have those talents for management but that means that if you've if you're a member of a team of 10 people, that someone in your team could be that person, could be management material, that could be a great manager. And so why can't it be you? It could, but you need to be proactive and position yourself for that role. And that's the sort of thing that we've talked about today. We've given you examples of how you can perhaps amplify and develop the skills that you need to demonstrate that your management material. 
also, I think, Ihan, it's worth pointing out that if you're an out-of-office worker and you're not interested in becoming a manager, and that's probably someone that I consider myself as, I'm not interested in managing others, I, I quite like my technical roles, I think many of the things that we've talked today talked about today are also also useful for you just as a member of a team that needs to get things done, that is interested in productivity, that's interested in uh, some of the other traits that we've talked about today, building relationships and so on and so forth. So I think even if you're not interested in management, there's something in what we've spoken about today, uh, there's something in there for you. Yeah, I think you're right, Chris. I hadn't thought about it from that point of view, but you're exactly right. So all the things we talked about, that is relevant, whether you're interested in being a manager or not. Yeah, it helps get work done, and I think that's really what it's all about, whether you're interested in management or not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So thank you, Chris. Another great conversation. If you're interested in finding out more about the Art of Office work style and how to make it work for you, then you can check out our, our website at artofofficebook.com, which is where you can buy, surprise, surprise, the Art of Office book. So that's available, and you can buy it online and be reading it within five or ten minutes from now if you wish to. And we also have past episodes of this podcast and uh, any notes that we have for this particular podcast episode and in particular we'll link to the the Gallup article which does make really interesting reading whether you're interested in becoming a manager or not and whether you're involved in out-of-office work or not. Yeah, and we're always interested in hearing from our listeners. So uh, if you have any feedback, then you can leave comments or questions on those blog articles and uh, we'll get back to you either directly or we might even uh, mention your question during a future podcast. And that's we're going to have another one of those in about a month's time, Kihan. So I'm looking forward to speaking with you then. Uh, so until then, bye for now. Yep. Thanks, Chris. Bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.